You know, everything Jesus said is important. But I wonder if maybe he gives us some clues as to some of the core teachings of what he came here to share with us, you know? If, if maybe he wants you and me to realize that some aspects of what he shared with us, he wants us really to listen up. At the end of the story, Jonathan read part of it, and then when, when he finishes, when Jesus finishes this story, at the end of Matthew 25, the very next verse, first verse of chapter 26, essentially says, this is, this is the end of his life, you know. After two days, Passover's going to come, Jesus is going to be arrested, he's going to be crucified that week. I mean, this is, this is the last week. I wonder if maybe Jesus is wanting us to pay particularly close attention to this story. I don't know, what do you think? Maybe it's the last part of his teaching, you know, before the crucifixion. I mean, this is, this is the last week. It seems that maybe that what's on his mind right now as he heads toward the cross in a couple of days, he wants us to listen very closely. I know for a lot of you in this room, this is a very familiar story. And it may be one of your favorites. One of mine. I've preached on it many times over the years. I've never preached this part of it, though. Not, not this emphasis. Not this nuance. I don't think. I don't remember it. Uh, when I was in preaching school years ago, we, we used this book for a preaching class called Biblical Preaching by Haddon Robinson. Teacher told us at the time it was the best book on expository preaching that he had ever seen. And a lot of people regard it as that. It's a good book. Dr. Robinson, he passed away a few minutes ago. He was considered the prince of preachers among many. Very effective communicator regarded not only in Christian circles, but outside of Christian circles as being an effective communicator. I used that book more recently when I was teaching some of the students in the Philippines, the university that we work with, that Bill Rayburn and others work with. Dr. Robinson preached a message on this text. I, I say that background because I want you to know where the idea came from. Uh, Dr. Robinson shared a message to a graduating group of preachers some years ago. And it was on this passage. And he shared, I think the title of his message was Surprises at Judgment. Very similar to the title I've chosen today, but not exactly. And in that message, you can look it up if you're interested. It's a very effective message. He shared something that I hadn't heard before. That's where I got the idea that I want to share with you today. Dr. Robinson passed away a few years ago. But that, this particular slant on this story is helpful, I think. And I want to spend a little time with you together today because I think this really, really matters. I think it really matters. <clears throat> When you hear the title, Surprised on Judgment Day, and you didn't know where I, where I was going to go with this, what would you think of? I, I don't know what you'd think of. I, I think maybe when we talk about surprises at Judgment Day, at least the way I would normally hear that is I would think there are going to be a lot of people who think they're going to heaven and they're going to get shocked on Judgment Day. You know? And that wouldn't be a completely 
poor misreading of the biblical text because Jesus, in another place, he says something similar to that. He says, you know, there are going to be people who say, Lord, didn't we, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons and do all this stuff? And, and I'll say, I, I never knew you. So, so you could hear it that way and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be wrong. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a different kind of surprise. I, I hope you've got your Bible open because I want you to look and see what he, uh, what he says here. Maybe you've noticed this part before. It's interesting. I think, you know, Jonathan read the first part of this and this, this scene. I mean, this is just a memorable story, isn't it? If you haven't heard it before, uh, man, you've got to love this story because it is so neat. You know, he's picturing the scene of Judgment Day. And who isn't fascinated by Judgment Day? I mean, thinking about, you know, what it's going to be like. And for people who don't believe in Judgment Day, at least the idea itself is fascinating that you and I might one day stand before some sort of sovereign, omnipotent being and give an account for the way we've lived. I mean, that's kind of scary, you know. And, and, and in this text, Jesus, again, the, the end of this body of teaching, this discourse it's called the Olivet Discourse. It starts back in Matthew 24. Gave it from the Mount of Olives there outside of Jerusalem. And, and at the end of this, he shares this story about judgment. And he says, he says, on that day, you know, when the Son of Man comes into glory, all the angels, all these superlatives, all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Can you imagine? Before him will be gathered all the nations. He'll separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. This great separation moment. Sheep on his right, your left. The goats on his left, your right. I think, I think most of us who grew up in the church, you know, grew up in Christian circles, we may have memories of this story going all the way back to our childhood, you know. Sheep and the goats. I don't want to be a goat. Nope. Right? I don't want to be a goat. I want to be a sheep. You know, I want to, I want to be invited to his, to his right hand. That comes from this story, you know. And, and, it's, and it's just interesting how he says to those, you know, come here, blessed of my father, and here at the kingdom, I was hungry, you gave me food. And, and their response, their response in verse, in verse 38, right? Verse 37, when did we see you hungry? Feed you. Thirsty. Stranger. Naked. Sick. In prison. And the king says, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You know, the same question, the same question, verses 37, 38, and 39. It's almost identical if you look down in verse 44, because he says to those on his left hand that, that I was hungry and you didn't feed me, and so on. And they say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? You know, it's just interesting. It's interesting to me that they both ask the same question. And when I've preached on this text in the past, I've usually focused on those who did not do the thing for the person in need. They're going to be surprised at judgment. But I want to focus on the first group today. I want to focus, I want to focus on them. You know, this, the same question. And, you know, when you, when you, read, when you read this story, and, and you particularly read about the sheep, maybe... Maybe our initial response is, is something like this. I mean, this is very simple. You know, this is an easy ticket to heaven. Because all you got to do 
is be good to people, you know. Drop some coins, drop a few dollar bills in the basket. Maybe do a little good for people, be kind, whatever, and there it is. There's your ticket to heaven. But you know it's not that simple, right? You know that's not what he's teaching. He's, he's not teaching some sort of works-based righteousness. You, got your, you do some good for people and you, you just get, you, you punch your ticket to heaven. It's just, just this, this give and take. I do this and you give this back to me. That's payment, you know? I give to the needy and you give me heaven. That's the way it works, right? That's not what he's saying. You remember a couple weeks ago when we were studying the Lord's Prayer and we talked about the forgiveness part? If you don't forgive people with their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also not forgive you. If you do forgive, God will forgive you. This, we talk about the fact that, that, it, that it's, not really, it's not really this thing where, okay, Lord, I forgive. You've got to forgive me. It's not that. That's not what it is. But rather, it's, it's something deeper than that. It's, it's this, this process by which we become conformed to the image of Jesus. We become more like Him. In fact, I think we get a clue that His answer is deeper than this. I'm going to give money, and you're going to give me heaven. I'm going to give people food. You're going to give me heaven. I'm going to take care of I'm going to go to the prisons. I'm going to go to the hospitals. I'm going to go to the funeral homes. And you give me heaven. We get a clue that that's not what he means in verse 34. Look at it. The king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father. Come you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Look at that phrase, blessed by my Father. That's not just a throwaway phrase there. It's not, it's not just something he inserts in there when, you know, just, just read on past it. Blessed by my Father. It actually carries a lot of theological weight with Jesus. In fact, long way before this, 20 chapters earlier, when Jesus began his Sermon on the Mount, you, you may be able to remember how he began it. He gathered the disciples together, went up on a mountain, they sat down. He sat down and began to teach them. He opened up his mouth and he said, blessed. Remember this? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, he's, he's using this word blessed in a, in a particularly important way because he is, starts out the greatest sermon he ever preached. It's fascinating to me that in Matthew 5, as far as Matthew's gospel is concerned, the beginning of Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5 begins with the word blessed. And one of the last stories Jesus ever told ends, it, it, it also begins with the word blessed. You got blessed in Matthew 5, you got blessed in Matthew 25, and I think there's a lot of correspondence between how he's using this. Because you look at this, the Beatitudes, eight of them, Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12, eight Beatitudes. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are the poor in spirit. He starts out the greatest and best sermon that's ever been preached by saying, you will be blessed by my Father when you realize you don't have anything to bring to the table. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what it means to be poor in spirit? The underlying Greek text uses a word, we translate poor, and that word is a word that means absolutely penniless. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Those who are poor in spirit. Jesus starts out the greatest and best sermon, most famous sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. This is going to be those in the kingdom of heaven. Those who realize they come to Jesus and they come with their hands empty. They are poor in spirit, spiritually impoverished. They know that they have no hope in and of themselves. Blessed by my Father, Jesus says, on judgment day. Poor in spirit. Nothing in my hands I bring. 
Simply to thy cross I cling. Poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. You know, when you realize, you realize this, you, you come to him and you, you, you're broken. And, and Lord, I don't have anything to bring. You look at yourself and you recognize, I, Lord, look at me. I have broken your commandments. I have completely fallen short of what you created me to be. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed by my Father, he says, here. And he starts off the sermon a few years earlier with the same idea. Poor in spirit, spiritually impoverished, empty-handed, and they know it. That's the thing. Everybody's empty-handed. Only some people know they are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Meekness is probably synonymous with weakness in our culture today. But for Jesus, it was not weakness. In fact, it was a word that meant something closer to strength under control. Strength that is channeled. Strength that is submitted to the will of another. Jews, of course, at times who had been broken and they were now channeling their energy in some sort of useful purpose. It was this meekness. Blessed are those who, who are poor in spirit, empty-handed. They're, they're broken. They mourn over their sins. And they submit themselves to the will of the Father. They, they're meek. For they shall inherit the earth. A hunger and thirst after righteousness, he says. A hunger and thirst. This, this feeling that they understood better than we. This very basic human need for sustenance is channeled toward righteousness. Righteousness in a biblical setting is usually used in the context of a relationship either with God or with other people. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They want to be right with God. They want the relationship with God to be, to be based on what is true and it, and, it, and it issues forth in a relationship with other people. Righteousness is not just getting, it's not, it's not getting doctrine right. It's a relationship with God that's based on truth that expands to the way you treat other people. You hunger and thirst for that. Blessed by my Father, he says in our sermon in Matthew 25. He's talking about what it means to be blessed by my Father in Matthew 5, you know? You hunger and thirst. They're, they're merciful. That's how you treat people. Blessed with, you know, you're, you're empty-handed. You're mourning over your broken and lost condition. You are meek. You submit yourself to the Father. You, you crave to be right with Him and right with other people. And that leads you to be merciful and kind. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Which probably of all the Beatitudes, it most closely corresponds with what he's teaching us in our story. For today, we're merciful because we understand that God has blessed us. And God has been good to us. He's been merciful to us. And therefore, we live that principle out, you know. Blessed are the pure in heart. That's single-mindedness, single focus. A single focus, and that is walking uprightly before God and treating people the way they ought to be treated because they are created in God's image. They're peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called. We will be called the children of God. We walk into a room. We, 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 come into the, we, we interact with other people based on this notion of peace. We bring peace and not division. And we are persecuted by the world because they don't know what to do with people. 
who live according to a different standard, you know? So when he says this in Matthew 25, you know, when he says, he, he says, you know, um, I was hungry and you, you gave me food, I was thirsty, you gave me drink or whatever. Come you blessed of my father. That, that word blessed of my father carries with it some, some weight there. And it, it goes back to the body of Jesus' teaching that has to do with, with our coming to God and recognizing, Lord, we don't have anything to offer here. You know, it's, it's a, you can't read it in Matthew 5 one way and read it here a different way and say, okay, well, I'm going to go to heaven, so therefore I do good because I want to get my reward for the good that I do. No, see, the way that he uses this idea in Matthew 5 and elsewhere is we are blessed. We are blessed when we realize we don't have any currency of our own making. So when we get to the end of this teaching of Jesus, we get to the story that we're using today, you know, I think we, I think we need to see here something deeper, something, something different, not a quid pro quo kind of thing, but rather this, this is what his people do. I want to, I want to go back to their question. We'll spend just a few minutes here. They said, when did we see you? When did we see you? Let me talk about it this, this way. <clears throat> Some of you are going to be very surprised when you get there. You are going to be so shocked when you get there. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him will sit upon the throne of His glory and before Him shall be gathered all the nations and He'll separate the sheep. The, uh, the sheep from the goats, those on his right, those on his left. And maybe it'll go something like this. To some of you, he's going to say something like this. Get your date book out. How do you keep your calendar? Google Calendar. You keep an old-fashioned planner. He's going to say, get it out. I want to go through a couple things with you. Just, just for a couple minutes. December the 4th, 2020. It was a Saturday. You look through your calendar and you're like, oh, that was the day I posted that zinger on social media. Truth with a capital T. Lord, I am so glad you noticed I worked so hard on the wording and I got it exactly right. And the king says, I took social media off my phone a long time ago. To be honest, I don't know what you posted on December the 4th, 2020. But here's, here's what I do remember. I remember you were at work. And there was a co-worker who was struggling with her kids. And you went into the break room with her. And you sat there and you listened to her as she cried. And you prayed with her in the break room. December the 4th, 2020. I remember it very well. Do you remember that? Well... Not 
I, not really. I, I, I remember it because I was, I was that lady. That was me. That was me. That was me crying in the break room. October the 4th, 2022, maybe who would say to someone, perhaps this is years from now and looking back, and you say, I was a teenager. I was a teenager on October the 4th, 2022. It was a, it was a Tuesday. You look back and you think, oh yeah, that was the day that I got a group of fellow Christians and we went to the flagpole and we led a prayer. We prayed together. That, that's what you're talking about? No, 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 no. That, that wouldn't. Was, was that the day that I made the varsity team? No. Why not? Was that the day that I, that I, uh, I got that letter from the university that I had been applying to that, I, that I'd gotten accepted on early admission? Was it, was it that? No. Wasn't that? No. What, what it was is that was the day that there was that new kid at school and everybody was making fun of him because of the way that he dressed. And you walked away from that conversation and you sat down beside him at the lunch table and you befriended him. That was me at the lunch table. Surprise at Judgment Day. To a preacher, perhaps, he's going to say, do you remember March 21st, 2021? And the preacher's going to look at his calendar. He's got a record of the sermons that he preached. And he's going to say something like, oh, yeah, I knew you'd like that sermon. I worked hard on that one. I got the wording just right. I preached it with passion. It was, I think, biblically accurate. You were, that's what you're talking about, right, Lord? And, the king's going to say, you're not nearly as good of a preacher as you think you are. In fact, you got several things wrong in the sermon, if we're being honest. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I'm talking about uh, later that night when you spent a couple hours talking to a man whose marriage is falling apart. A little bit more concerned about that than the sermon you preached. To somebody, he might say, you know, look back on your calendar. Uh, August 15th, 2018, it was a Wednesday. You look, you look at your date book, you look at your calendar, and, and you're like, honestly, I have nothing on that day. I, I can't even remember a single, I don't have anything, it's just blank. I don't think I did anything of importance on August the 15th, 2018. And the king responds and says, oh, no, 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 no. It was a very important day. That day you left work early. And you went and you took groceries to a struggling family. I was that family. Surprised at judgment. Isn't it interesting Think with me for a minute. These people, you people, it had become such a part of them that it did not even strike them as being of any significance. 
See, I think that's the cool thing here. You don't get the impression that, 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 that these people are, Lord, uh, you, you see what I'm doing here, right? Taking groceries. Put another, uh, just put another little deposit there in, my, in the ledger for me, you know. Lord, I, uh, you, you saw me uh, talking to this distraught co-worker, right? I didn't, I didn't have time for it. Lord, you knew I didn't have time for it. So ridiculously busy. I didn't have time for an hour-long conversation with this person. You know? But I did it. Lord, are you watching? I'll make sure you, you, noted, you notice this thing that I'm doing, right? See, they get there. And they're like, I don't even remember what you're talking about. When did we see you? When, 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 did, when, did, this, when did this happen? And God's going to say, it was me. That day. That day. You didn't even know what you were doing. See, I think there's something pretty, pretty important here for you and me to learn. And it, and it has to do with the work that God's Spirit does in the hearts of His people. It's not a, you do the thing because you want some reward. You don't see that in the text at all, do you? Those who are blessed of my Father, they are poor in spirit. They know, man, I don't have anything to offer them. If we get to Judgment Day, and it's going to be based on your works or my works, Lord, this is, this, here's, my, here's, my, here's my CV, Lord. Here it is. I kept, I kept good notes. Blessed are the poor, those who are blessed of my Father, the, the, the poor in spirit. You come there at Judgment Day, and you don't bring a truckload of good works. When did we see you? I don't have anything to bring. I don't have anything to offer. You do those things not to make your CV look right, not to fill out the application. You do it because it's what God has done in your heart to do. See, that's what happens when people walk with Jesus, they start to look like Jesus. They start to think like Jesus. They start to be like Jesus. They start to they start see they start to see struggling people differently. Not as nuisances, not as annoyances, not as people who are weird or socially awkward or but rather their heart starts to be broken. Starts to be Softened. Surprised at Judgment Day. Some of you folks are going to be surprised. So Jesus is going to say to you, remember? Remember? You remember? And you're going to say, no, I, to be honest, I don't. He's going to say, I do. I remember every moment. Every cup of water every meal, every kind word, every moment you sat there and just listened to somebody who needed to talk. Every good deed, every kind word, every listening ear, 
he notices. Because there is where he is. Surprised at judgment day. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brother, you did it to me. You see, what I, what I get from this is, I, I get from this that, 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 that what, it means to, what it means to walk with Jesus, it, it's, it's that God starts to do things in your heart and in your life. And you may be sitting there thinking, I don't think I do that much, to be honest. But I hope, I hope, and I think what that means a lot of times is you're just becoming the kind of person who doesn't even think about it. You just do it. You just listen. You just, you just do the thing that needs to be done in the moment it needs to be done. Not always, because all of us, we're stressed and we're human and we're fallible and there are those moments we don't listen and we don't send the card and we don't say the kind word. Of course, that's the way it is because you and I are fallible people. But as we walk with Jesus Christ, we grow in that image and His Spirit works on our hearts and He starts to create in us the kind of heart that is open to the cry of those who are struggling. See, I think, I think Jesus, on this last week of his life, wanted to share something very, very important to us, with us. And, you know, I don't know what to think about Christianity. Some of you are maybe not Christians, and maybe you've got a bad impression, maybe you've got a good impression of Christians, I don't know. But, but here's, here's something I do know. That there are a lot of things we emphasize at times that we ought not emphasize, really, because that's not at the core of what it means to be Christian. What I know is at the core of what it means to be a Christian is how you treat people, especially the way you treat people who are disadvantaged, who are different. I know that's true because Jesus doesn't give us any other option. And a couple of days before he died, in the last major body of teaching, he says, when you get to judgment day, the spirits work in your heart in opening your heart to the cry of those who are struggling, that is of particular interest to me. If you're not a Christian today, uh, we, uh, we, we come here today to worship. We also come here today because we want to give people an opportunity, uh, maybe who are ready to take that step and to say to him, say to the king, Lord, I've made a mess of it. I've made a mess of it all. And to be honest, I don't have, I don't have any really good stuff to bring. Because if you think you got some good stuff to bring to Him, you're not quite ready. Blessed are the poor in spirit means you're empty spiritually speaking, and you come to Him with nothing in your hands, and you say to Him, Lord, I've made a mess of pretty much everything I've touched. Now you're ready to become a Christian because He's ready to take you into His heart and life and to bless you and to start incrementally, little by little, to making you into the person he created you to be. If you will give your heart and your life to him, if you come to him and you say, I want to be yours, we'll baptize you into him for the forgiveness of your sins, for the, to receive the gift of the Spirit of God, and he, he will begin his work in you.
and we will baptize you today if you're ready to make that decision. If you need to ask for prayers from God's people here, we'll pray for you. Let's stand. Let's sing. Why should Jesus waiting, waiting in the cold? He will bear
delay, it's kind of hard 